Hey, it's Anthony from the UberCube podcast. I just want to take a second and tell you what I love about Cube. And not to be overly cliche about it, but Magic the Gathering kind of says it in the term, the gathering portion. It's the hanging out with your friends, the inclusivity, the diversity, the sharing of mutual ideas, you know, the the little miniature trophies that we do at the end of the evening, just saying, hey, I took the night, right? Just hanging out with your, your friends, your loved ones, and spreading the idea of what Cube represents, the gathering portion. May, what does Cube mean to you? What Cube means to me is that it's a sort of opportunity to play the kind of magic that your pod wants to play in a way that, how do I put it? It's sort of an interesting way that you can reflect on different players and interact with them in a direct and indirect way while just all getting together. It's a good reason to just get together, play magic, and do the gathering, you know? I would agree. Stu? When I first started playing Magic, I actually always thought that the gathering portion of the name was kind of a little odd. I was like, the gathering, really? I wonder what that's about. But then after kind of quitting Magic for a long time, I started playing with a very close friend of mine. He lives in another country from me. I didn't have anyone to play with. I had the internet. I had Modo. I was able to buy cards and build decks and stuff, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So now I've got this wonderful game that I cannot wait to get my teeth into, but I have no one to play with. And I think it was at that moment that I started to realize this isn't just about the game to me. This is about the gathering. It is about being around my friends, again, being around my loved ones, and wanting to enjoy a shared experience that is going to enrich our lives, enrich our social lives. And I'm going to apologize, but I am going to go a little cliche here. And I will say that Magic the Gathering maybe did save my life in a roundabout way. I was in a pretty bad place a few years ago. My wife and I had moved. I was living in a house. I had no friends really to speak of. And um, I was kind of in a, like I say, in a pretty bad place, drinking too much and not really leaving my house. And then suddenly I meet the the group of friends that I have now. I met Anthony, I met our good friends, Nathan, Christian, Chris, all the people from our group. And we started playing again and I developed a social life. I developed a gathering. I had that again. And it was because of playing magic and someone just moving into our area that wanted to play magic and wanted that fellowship and that gathering again. So to me, it's meant a bit of a a salvation and the cube format has been sort of the natural progression for me and I think for our play group where we're not just sitting around with decks that maybe we got off the internet or you know we're sitting around playing something that has been a creation of someone in our group that has been a passion project of someone in our group and it's enriched my life in a way that I don't know if I'll ever be able to be as as grateful as I can show in front of a microphone. Yeah and so I would say that Cube has allowed me to meet May and blessed us with, you know, our new friend and wonderful host of the show, right? right. And it's brought (laughs) Stu and I together so that we can put our passions into something we love so much. And that's what the core of Cube is, right? It's about welcoming, bringing people together across the country, across the globe, and finding something that you can get together and just have fun, find the fun. But we're going to go ahead and move over to the episode. Welcome to UberCube, the podcast where we discuss all things Cube, 
but with refreshments. This is your host, Anthony Adams, a.k.a. Uber Bear, and today I'm joined by my other host... May, a.k.a. Magic. And Stu, I'll at Stu MTG. And we've got an episode, we've, we talked as a group, right? And this was probably in early December... We've really enjoyed having all of our guests on our show and going into the complexities and the nuances of Cube and really deep diving into those ideas that oftentimes really reflects the ideas of enfranchised magic players. But I have been fortunate enough, I help co-admin, as we've talked about, an MTG Cube drafting site. And it's really opened my eyes, and including Reddit. I'll throw Reddit out there, too. Absolutely. Where I see people come all the time, and they just don't know where to start. They they want to capture all these feelings that we summarized at the beginning of this episode, right? They want to do something different. They want a creative expression, but they, they simply don't know where to begin. And I find, and this is a this is very analogous to my present career, where you do something for so long over the years, it's a running joke. I used to have this friend named Bill that he was really good at his job. And I asked him, I said, hey, Bill, why are you so good, man? I want to be good. He goes, Anthony, I've been doing this for like 30 years. If I'm not good by now, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> and it really, that that was a waking point for me where it made me realize what Bill was trying to say, if you unpack this, is we do something for so long, we're so repetitious, we do it so often that we forget the steps. So when someone asks, hey, how do I build a cube? We just say, go to this site, read this, watch this video, uh, read this paper. And there's some amazing ones out there from our good friends LPR and other groups where you can learn about how to build a cube. But I thought it'd be nice to get a different perspective. And part of this episode will also include the challenges that I want from the enfranchised. I want those individuals, this isn't just the beginners, and I'm going to make a little joke about that in a minute, but I want the people who've been doing this for a really long time to think about the steps we say and ask yourselves, is that the steps you follow also? Or do we not even think about that anymore? It's just, we've, over, we've simplified it, we've done it through repetition so long that we forgot what it was like to do it for the first time. I struggled to write this episode. What am I going to call it? The ABCs of Cube. Uh, so you want to build a cube, but you don't know what to ask. Uh, these type things, right? I, I still don't know the title of this episode. It's hard to put something that summarizes the idea of, I want to build my first cube. Would you agree, May? Long yeah. intro here. Like, sometimes it's hard when we talk about cube. A lot of time we're targeting towards enfranchised players, so... Sometimes just taking it back to basics and kind of explaining the core of, of idea of what makes a cube and how to bring that together so that we can curate and make an experience for people. What is the thing that you're trying to express? What is the vision that you're trying to take? And what are the steps in order to get there? So before we go any further down this conversation, we're going to do the thing that we always do here at UberCube. And recently at LPR, <laughs> we're going to enjoy our libations <laughs> of the show. That's a shout out to uh, Andy Mangold and uh, Anthony Maddox there a little bit. They did a recent episode that was made me laugh. Their eggnog episode is fantastic. But I am having a pernicious India Pale Ale from Wicked Weed Brewery. Love it. May, what you got? I'm drinking a Merlot. Ooh, fancy. Well, I got myself a... Highland Brewing out of Asheville, North Carolina. It's a Gaelic ale, and it's delicious. Let's crack them. All right, let's crack them open and get to the show. I actually think 
that this is not specifically today or even in the last week or month or year, but I think this is a phenomenal time for anyone out there who's listening to this episode or thinking that they would like to invest in and begin the journey of a cube. I think this is a great time to do so. One of the reasons why I think this is a great time to do so is because of what is now undoubtedly the most popular format is Commander. Now, no set rules on your cube. You don't necessarily have to be singleton. Commander does. But the fact that Commander has become so popular and people, I think, are fairly familiar not only with the singleton format, but also with a larger deck and having to incorporate multiple ideas into one deck, whereas with a, a traditional 60-card four-of deck, you're kind of focused on one particular play pattern, goal, that kind of stuff. Maybe would you agree that it's a little easier for a commander-centric player to look at building a cube? And we can reference uh, one of our good friends' uh, cubes, the Live the Dream Cube, right? I, that I was a, initially the idea of that. Let's just jam four commander decks and see what happens. It's because there's a lot of overlap when it comes to the design goals of making a cube versus making a commander deck, is that when you're trying to go in and play commander... You have three other players that you're trying to consider the feelings of. It's more than just, I'm sitting down, I'm trying to win, everybody else has to deal with it. Because then nobody's going to want to play with you. There is innately that kind of social aspect that you have to consider, and that's the advantage of Cube, is that it kind of just takes out that rule zero conversation and basically says, alright, here's my curated list of cards that we're all playing with, we're going to go through, make a deck, and just play some games. Is that why no one wants to play with me? Is that why no one wants to play Commander? <laughs> be honest. Because I don't care. You know, I'm just trying to win. Negative right? one rule for you. But should but- be clear, <laughs> it's absolutely okay to make cubes designed for winning or play games that are designed to win, etc. But the point is that having a pod that's on the same page as you is what's what's important. So it's it, you're right. It's it's easier like a spinoff series to come out of Commander and to come in a cube because you have a foundation, right? And we've got Mm. some new players that are going to be joining our group. We're going up to soon to be 14, 15 strong on our regular Thursday nights. I haven't really said that to Stu until now. We're going to have to split the group. We're going to have to get more tables. (laughs) New house. (laughs) But but let's kind of take it back. We said this is basics. We're jumping into the steps. As the trainer, right? I, I believe I'm former military. Train the trainer is a a training philosophy where your trainer, your coach tells you how to do a thing and then via steps, then you repeat that process. And once they validate that you can do that process, you move on through progression to the next process. That's train the trainer methodology. That's like a really good template, not overcomplicating cube because we're going to definitely avoid that here. But people ask like structure stuff, but before you even do that, you got to answer the question, what is cube, right? It's a, it's, it can, it's not necessarily, we assume in our small group, and it is in fact a small demographic that it's a known quantity, and that's simply not true. Cube, and here's my not chat GPT version, I wrote this the best way I could, <laughs> is a compilation of cards that drafters deck build from, then compete, but not restricted to that idea. Cube tends to be limited or a drafted collection of cards that provides limitless choices and repeated gameplay. That's the best way I could write a little synopsis. And it doesn't even have to be exclusively Magic the Gathering. I'll go a step up. What is Magic the Gathering? Card designed in 1993 by Dr. Richard Garfield. Do you think if you asked even enfranchised players what Magic the Gathering is, do you think they would define it as a game? Yes. 
And the, do you agree, yeah. Miyagika, would you would you agree with that? That most people, when they refer to magic, they they're saying magic is a game. Yeah, I don't agree. Magic is not a game. Magic is a product, just like a deck of regular cards is a product. Because there's just too many ways to use magic cards to really just call it a game. Because there's so much of a vast difference. Even if the cards do the same thing, modern, vintage, legacy, Canlander. Commander, Cube, then I would refer Pioneer. to it as a game system. At that point, a game yeah. system. I would, yeah. I would refer to it as a game system. A game system. Yeah, that makes yeah. More sense. yeah, that makes sense, right? But it's it's because it does so have a set of that. rules. But knowing what those rules are in order to break it, is that's where we can kind of play around with what makes your cube a cube. Exactly. And so, whatever I'm trying to explain to someone that's, uh, I make these jokes referencing Harry Potter, the muggles, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my mom or I'm talking to a coworker and they're like, what do you do a podcast about? I'm like, I do it on Magic the Gathering Cube. And they're like, I don't know anything you just said to me. I said, well, <laughs> think of it like a board game that I made from a game system. Like, I took a game that existed, and I took Monopoly, something that's known quantity to them, or chess or checkers, and I've just said, well, we're going to play it this way with some new rules, right? I've I've glossed it over, mm-hmm. I've changed it up, I've reconfigured. And in this case, we've taken the game system, that's a better way in my mind of explaining to someone that doesn't understand it, and I've taken Magic, but it can be Pokemon, it can be, I don't care, it Yu-Gi-Oh. can be anything, Yu-Gi-Oh, it doesn't matter. And, you- and to be fair, even when it comes to... I promise I had a thought when it comes to just magic players is that when they don't play limited, they're not going to have any idea what the heck is cube is. Even some limited players don't even know what a cube is. Yeah. We assume we do a podcast. Other people do a podcast. We go to events, we go to different groupings, charities or whatever. We assume that everybody in that room knows what a cube is. Uh, I think, I got my cold splash of water on my face, but it was also refreshing is whenever we went to the Extra Life convention, we were welcome to be a part of that with a gathering place out of, and we did the Children's Miracle Network mm-hmm. out of for Duke. Yep. We got invited as like this weird little side table attraction. We were kind of like the, the carnies at the fair, right? Yeah, like, go over there. That's, yeah. Uh, but people are there for, some are there for fun, some are there as content creators, some are there for their professional aspects, yep. and they're playing... I don't want to call it, I'm going to say grindy magic. I don't mean to do that. As it's a negative, competitive. It's no, not meant right. to be a negative connotation. It's just they're there for formats within the game system of magic. And where they're over is the little side event, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where the people, the little wheel that you're going to win the vacation or whatever, if you come play Anthony's Cubes. But it was just an interesting thing to see that there were so many people in that room I had to extrapolate people from that that had heard of it, but I have to now pull them from something that they're very familiar with. Well, I wonder how much of that is mindset related, right? You're showing up to an event like that. If you are a tournament grinder, and that can be the same way if you're playing magic, if you're playing poker, anything where there's a competitive aspect to the game, and then all of a sudden, now you're expected in a way, or maybe not expected, but you're being asked or there's a sort of maybe even an underlying expectation that you're going to take that hyper competitive mindset like hey tone that down and now just go play for fun i don't know i've i've been competitive at other things in my life i don't know if i could switch my mindset that quickly from i am trying to win at all costs so i'm just going to go do something for fun in an environment like that where the where the the reason why i'm there is to go and win so we're going to build our first cube. That's what we're going to talk about. Right you, now? You, 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 nope. We're going to do a theoretical idea. Okay. And 
again, going back to that, we're all enfranchised, right? We do a podcast. We talk mm. about this stuff all the time. And it, we don't think about the steps anymore. Like, where do I even begin to do the thing? I want to build a Magic the Gathering cube. Well, I think we've said this on numerous occasions. Where do we begin? And one of the first core mantras is of game design, May, hmm? find the fun. Oh, find the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you were just doing a generic prompt, and I was just I like, did a generic prompt on purpose. I wanted to see if it was like, what is find the fun? <laughs> but it, it does really explain what you're doing. So you want to do something. You want to build something to have fun with your peer group, right? You want something mm. that's inviting, welcoming. I don't – maybe you don't have that circle. And, you know, as Stu had mentioned, and he wants to meet new people in his surrounding area and where do I begin? He builds a cube and it can be a challenge to, hey, I built this type of cube and it does this thing. Will you sit down and play with me? And there are some great episodes that I want to – we're going to keep going back to Lucky Paper Radio where they talked about – there's an episode where they specifically refer to – and I will attempt to link it in the show notes where they talk about how to build a – a play group, right? How to get people to come to your LGS, how to do a thing, right? That's all important, but you haven't built your cube yet. You just want to get a circle going. So a cube, there's a lot of game design philosophies behind that. And again, us all being enfranchised, that created the challenge for me to make this episode as to what are the fundamental steps, because I have been doing it so long, as I referenced my good friend Bill in the way back when I worked for a company, He's just been doing it so long, he just does it so well that he doesn't think about all the nuances of how he became so good at what he's doing. That's a, the best way I can really make this tangible, I guess, for the listeners, right? You just do it, and you don't think about it. Like, May just starts building a cube because she starts crafting it. She pulls up her favorite cube building, in this case, Cube Cobra, and starts just designing an idea. But that can be intimidating or daunting for a person who's never done that before, and I can see that challenge. I can see that, too. and. One thing I'll reference here is someone that you've talked about on earlier episodes of our podcast is your dear brother, Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh is not a cube designer. No. Not a cube builder. Love you, Josh. Barely even a cube player. Love you to pieces. <laughs> he is an amazing cube player. But an absolute master, right? Let's be honest. Yeah, he is. At walking into a room that is full of magic cards and building a commander deck. Like, and you've said this on many occasions, oh, yeah. Josh will just walk into your room in your house where you have a bazillion magic cards, right? And just walk out with He'll a, take not junk just a functional, win the first yeah, not, not even just a functional <laughs> deck with a powerful deck. Yes. Right. So to him, he's already got that organic ability, probably over, you know, some years of playing and what it, nature and whatever you want to call it, that he is now, he has that ability to just do it. He just right? sees to just it. build it. He just sees it. He yeah. doesn't need to comb through every card. He doesn't need to comb through every piece of flavor text and every color pip. He just has it, right? Here's the other thing about, and I'll, this is kind of going a little bit back to what your, your, to your previous statement about the play group. Mm -hmm. One of the, or maybe the greatest thing about Cube is that, and, and about the play group. When I first showed up to our play group, do you remember what I had with me? I had a deck box and in it was a modern deck. It was a mono green. And yes, for our seasoned listeners, there was four <laughs> copies of Colonian Tusker and four <laughs> copies of Leatherback Bailoff. Sitting As in that box, and I was so excited that I was going to get to finally bust this out and play. So didn't even enter my mind that we wouldn't be playing that format, 
right? Didn't even cross my mind. Like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll get to play some modern. I show up and we're not playing modern. We're not even playing cube. We're actually playing commander. So now you want to get a group set up. What if you took eight players, said, hey, we're going to go play magic and they all show up with their deck boxes. Like, okay, cool. What do you, what, what have you got in your deck box? Oh, I've got a vintage deck. Oh, what about you? I've got a modern deck or a pioneer deck or a standard deck or a, you know, any of these things. Yeah. You don't have to now find a common ground for all of those people with those decks. In fact, you just tell them, hey, take your backpack or whatever you brought to carry your stuff in, put that thing right there. I'm going to give you a pile of cards. I'd like you to shuffle them and we're all going to play magic. We're all going to be on an even playing field. We're all going to be able to enjoy this experience. We're not dependent on any kind of previous experience, right? No one's left behind because of whatever involvement they've had or how enfranchised they've been with magic previously. And that's what Cube does. Like it brings people together, the gathering aspect, right? Mm -hmm. But I would be amiss if I didn't mention the challenges of it too. People invest time in doing these other formats. They build these things. They, I made a new commander deck. I really want, I've put a lot of time. I've spent all Tuesday building this. I really want to play it. That is one of the challenges that you will experience as a cube curator is to getting people to want to change the focus of their energy from what they have placed all this artistic time in designing to then look at this cube thing you have designed. That is a challenge. Would you agree, May? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's been difficult with even my playgroup where just trying to organize a cube night ends up devolving to whether or not we're going to play Commander because most of them prefer to play Commander. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love me some Commander, but sometimes it can be a challenge where it's just like, Hey, you know what would be really fun to just kind of shuffle up some cards, make get a couple packs, and just start making a card, just like making a deck? Because the deck building part is what's fun, fun for me when it comes to making cube. And when I start off with designing a cube, that's one of the things that I kind of start with is what kind of decks am I wanting to put in here? What kind of things am I wanting to play? You know? And I think I can put it in a very simple way I can explain it as, what is your cube's hook? What is the thing that you are trying to get people to play? What are you trying to do? For example, I have this miniature cube called the Big Spender Cube. It's like 98 cards. It's not many cards. But the whole gimmick of it is that I thought, hey, what if instead of having just like a bunch of lands or whatever, then they start off with like a... 50 cents worth of change, and each of those represents, like, one treasure token, right? So then I can kind of take that idea of, alright, here is my idea of, I now start the game with a bunch of treasure tokens, now how am I going to get people to draft the cards? You know, once you have that kind of idea, what's the thing that you're trying to do, what is the hook, then you can start kind of thinking about what you're trying to expand on that. Ask yourself kind of the five major questions of, who do you want to play that? What kind of decks do you want people to play? Things like that. Yeah, so what's your audience, your intended audience, your design goals, right? And we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. We don't want to dig in too much on things we've talked about. If it's your first time listening to Ubercube, then there's a lot of episodes where we've touched upon these ideas throughout the multiple episodes we made. And then I'll 100% Mm -hmm. tell you to listen to other shows such as 
Lucky Paper Radio where they cover all these aspects. I will say for you to watch Chili MTG's videos where they cover all these aspects. There's a lot of different things. And I'm doing the thing that we do all the time, right? Reference this. This is how you build a cube. And and I will say this. Something that really improved me as a Magic player. Go and watch content, right? You just mentioned Chill. Chill is a phenomenal YouTuber. Go and watch people play magic if you're not an enfranchised magic player yourself if you're either someone that enjoys the idea of cube and you're not as experienced maybe with magic or even if you're someone that's listening to our show that is interested in magic interested in cube but is not super enfranchised i cannot recommend enough go and just watch other people draft cube there's a ton of content out there on youtube and i will say that it was the university for me of learning a lot of nuance and a lot of the technicalities of magic even before I played at that level. So before we even start going into the fundamentals and breaking it down, one thing that's really important is you're going to build your first cube is Nike got it right the first time. Just do it. Like there is, there's a reason why they said that because you can get so entangled in the, did I get it right? Will they like it? Will they like me? Did I make something they will enjoy? You're going to have to push past all that, right? That is the first step. I'm going to design something. And it is very important, very important to notice that this will not be your first, second, third, 15th iteration of your cube will not be your magnus opus. It will not be. No matter what you do, your first iteration will look completely different three years from then. That's just how it, you have to accept that as a person going out the gate. Uh, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. What is your magnum opus, Anthony, in your cubes? Let's ask that question. Uh, I'm, I would say from the one that I'm tuning and making the most eloquent, the best way I can do it to get synergies would be my artifact cube. Because I'm the most open to the feedback. The feedback is... I've hardened my scales is what I'm trying to say, right? Like I get user feedback, player feedback. I've, I've made mistakes. I've learned from the mistakes. Learning is always part of life. The, I, I've told multiple friends over the course of the week, the minute you stop uh, learning, you've stopped living, right? So that one, but I would say my finest expression that I'm working on right now is my monopoly cube where I've done something unusual, kind of like when May was talking about it, where I'm trying to, take an idea, take the game Monopoly. How can I take the aspects of that and then turn it into magic? And it's hard. Like I wanted to do it, but I'm working on it. Right. So it's like a personal challenge. And then once the personal challenge is launched, then I have to present it to my friend group and I'm not going to sell you and make you like it. I'm just trying like our good friend, Chris has been quite honest. He is not enamored with the idea of a desert cube. It it's not his draft experience. He is chasing, but Still, it wasn't mine. I he, thoroughly enjoyed it. He's still playing it. He's trying it. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's it one great. of the things, too, from a building your first cube is it's kind of a a mutual agreement that, yes, you're going to play my cube. Yes, you're going to give me feedback. Yes, I will accept your feedback, but we're going to work through this together. And that really is a challenge, too, right? These are challenges. And, May, would you agree? I don't want to say would you agree, but... Is it the fake cube that's yours? I mean, oh, yeah, it, 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 I kind of feel like it has to be popularity. The play experience is just phenomenal. I would imagine that you would consider that yours. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely my magnum opus. 
It is my most important piece of work. The only reason I'm on on this podcast is because of the face. That's that is not true, not true you know? at all. That is not true <laughs> at all. But we will accept coins for treasures. Like I feel so inadequate when someone like you know you say these things. I'm like, man, those things don't even yeah, enter my so brain. Like, and you're just like it. It just comes to you so naturally. May reminds me of my little brother in the sense yes. that she has that creation, diver- that creation divergent thinking. You don't. That's that's one of the things too is that. You don't have to do anything we're talking about. You don't have to have a vision. And you don't have to have a box with 40 of each basic land. You don't have to have any of this. May, you have a thought. Well, yeah, I was just going to follow up with when, like, the fake cube is obviously my magnum opus. It, But to get it to the point where people have fallen in love with this environment and fallen in love with these aesthetics, etc., it started off as this secondary cube of a bunch of cards that I just find aesthetically pleasing. I just wanted a place that I could throw in all of my, like, Eldrian showcases, all my D&D showcases, and whatnot, and, like, f- find a way to make that visually work. And the puzzle solving for me from just taking a box of cards to putting it into play, like, when my first rendition of the fake cube had, like, I forgot what it's called, but it's one of those generic wolves, it basically comes down for three. Then you dump mana into it, it gets bigger for the turn. And it gets haste, right? But that's a pretty generic wolf. But the reason that I wanted to throw it in is because it has that uh, beautiful showcase from uh, AFR where it looks like it came straight out of a book. Where I wanted to have that feeling of these are kind of like story by book illustration type things. So when I first started this cube... When the metagame wasn't good. I was not able to identify like what people are playing, what people are interested in playing, miscellaneous things like that. But through player feedback and through getting data and just being able to talk with my players and figure out what kind of decks that I'm actually trying to build within that environment, I was able to really start leveling up as a cube designer, you know? It so- started off with nothing. And I'd like to ask this, and this is a question. May I put this to you first, but also to Anthony. How important would you consider the change log to sort of give other cube curators a lesson on how you yourself have developed and curated one of your cubes and how that journey has been for you to take the cube from, and Anthony's talked about on previous episodes, and you've alluded to it, how it just wasn't where you wanted it when you first put it together. And now after you know months or maybe years of development, it's now representing that play experience that you want for your group. Uh, I would say that the change log, the changes and the amount of changes is important. Being able to keep notes on those changes is important. Like... Even if it's your way of keeping track of those changes is just kind of like having a binder and then just sticking the cards that you used to have in in that binder to kind of reflect on. That can still be a good way for you to kind of grow as a curator and as a cuber and etc. Because you're just taking a pile of cards that you wanted to play with, throwing them in a limited environment, and then seeing what sticks, you know? So that's a really good reference to lucky paper radio they have an article they put out how to build a cube with your own collection which i'll also make a uh, sticking point to put into the show notes right 
because it really just says you've got cards. You just want to put them together and you can work it out. We're going to talk about that. Like there's finessing and stuff that you'll do, but we have our dumpster fire cube project where I wanted to get a bunch of people that have never done this before and reference those episodes where I wanted to take people that had been playing commander or they were nervous to build their own cube. And I wanted to find a way to have them empower them to feel like they have ownership of the cube and it's part of the cube community, part of their circle. And that I would not, I'm going to use the word, I wouldn't gatekeep. And I would just kind of coach and say, hey, this is a, we need white, we need black, we need green, we need something that's maybe a sorcery. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell them what they needed to add. You know, we would do it our inside jokes, our little riff tracks, right? Where somebody gave you something like a dust elemental and you're like, <laughs> I don't. Avram. <laughs> Avram's a good friend. Got to have him on the show. Love the guy to death. But I'm like, Avram, nobody's going to draft this card. But you don't know. He just was draft chaff. But that's okay, right? That's what's so amazing about Cube is it doesn't have to have a focus. But if we have to remove ourselves, we're going to step back. All three of us are going to step back. We've become enfranchised to the idea of Cube. Stu, you play Cube all the time. May, you just dream up a Cube in your sleep and you build it the next morning. And me, I just like... Boom, I want to build a Jeopardy cube. I want to build one based on the NFL. We want to build one on Counter-Strike. It, it, it doesn't Ooh. come hard to us. We just think about it. But what if I wanted to tell somebody some of the fundamentals, right? Like, what's a good starting point? Besides, and we've talked about cloning a cube, which you certainly can do, or you can you can mimic the MTGO, whatever rendition they have up at the time. Those are fantastic curated cubes. You can start from there. That's perfectly fine. But if you wanted to do something on your own, you wanted to go off on your own, you want to have an idea, what are some framework, basic steps that do work? And I would put it to the same, I would make it like the an analogous to the idea of, well, why does everybody tell you whenever you draft a 40-card deck, you t it's ideally that you take 17 lands and 23 playables. It's only because it's just like an ideal, fundamental, a starting point, a balance Math. point. It's just math. Someone's already done it for you, <laughs> so you can replicate that idea. So when I say these fundamentals... I'm going to go ahead and put the disclaimer that it's not limited to. It's just a good starting point, right? And that's where I'm putting the challenge out to the enfranchised cube curators and players that did we get it right on the steps. So cubes can typically be, we've already talked about, it's find the fun. It's an environment that you draft from and that you deck build from. That's the basic idea of it, right? the vision, whatever you wanted to do. But what about like the mathematical framework to make it work? So there's the 180 or the Tubert, which is can host two to four players, 180 cards. But you can also do a 360, which hosts also two to eight players. And you're like, why do you keep saying two to eight? Because there's different draft formats, different ways. And there's episodes I'm going to keep telling you to go back to Lucky Paper Radio. They've covered all the bases on how to draft your cubes, uh, and so of others. Like our good friend Jordan Eckenrode has a video under the, the Cube Tuber, where you can look up and see how to draft different formats. Because during the pandemic, people had a hard time building a circle, and it was just you and the other person across the table, and you wanted to take a cube that you intended. Your vision was, I'm going to have eight of my best people sitting around this table, right? Well, that just didn't happen in that world. So I appreciate that he made these videos that says, this is how you draft for two people, right? That's a good thing. 
But also you can do a 540, which our good friend Justin Parnell would argue that that's the greatest format of magic. <laughs> and our good friend Chris says, I'm wrong. <laughs> but that's okay. But Well, Chris it, is a 450 guy, right? He's His a 450, 360. So he would say that the diversity of those cubes do create some variants that he wants a tighter list, right? Yeah. I tend to lean towards 360 for my th- thematic builds. I believe May does as well. But why do we choose these sizes, well, right? Well, there's a reason, right? There's a reason. So, well, first of all, let's talk about, is there a best number of cards in a cube, and why is it 360? <laughs> well, it's not, for starters. It's not. <laughs> so, 360 is the starting point, just because it gives everybody three packs of 15 in an eight-player eight pod, and that would be the entire cube list. All of the cards that would be in that cube would show up in that draft. So it gives everybody the opportunity to draft whatever draft, whatever cards end up coming, whatever deck that they're wanting to force. Point is, is that every single card in that cube will be draft. The reason that I kind of like, and you didn't see it as the listener, but I was kind of like sh- shrugging my shoulders right, a bit, right, being right. like, I don't really consider 360 like my go to because most of my group doesn't get together in eight player pods to just play magic. Most of the time we're like at two six two to six, which is three sixty now just has a ton of variance between that, you know? Well, you know so, North Carolina would love to have you, your group, whatever, come down because eight player drafts are, are becoming uh much easier for us down here in, <laughs> in the sunny <laughs> south. So yeah, we're working uh, it out. You know, if you're if you're just feeling like moving one day and and you're stuck for somewhere, you know, we'd be happy. But that's what's interesting. You build your cube, right? And you've got your compilation of cards, and you've got your vision. And it, we're not going to get into flushing out or fleshing out archetypes and all that on this particular episode. That'll be a follow up. But for this particular episode, you just want to get people to sit around the table, and you've designed your environment to host eight individuals. Well, that's a good example. We drafted our friend Sam's last night. That was. 500 plus cards so could have handled 10 people theoretically yeah but we drafted at six accepting the fact that there's certain cards that simply wouldn't show up and that certain subsets or certain archetypes like we'll say storm there's a good chance that you may never see key components in magic the gathering come around the table either someone has picked it up or it just simply never got seeded into the draft pool. That, to me, is the biggest single, like, you have to have that consideration when you're building a cube. One of the reasons why I like the 360 is because you guarantee that you're going to see every card with an eight-player draft if you draft three times 15 for each player. Not every cube has the ability to sort to to deal with the kind of variance where you can leave cards behind in the box when the packs go out, right? I would agree with that. Some cubes, you just, the flavor and the fun and all that are way more important to the experience. And therefore, it's not quite as important if the whole cube gets drafted. But with a 360, you can obviously guarantee that with eight players. If you don't have eight players, now things start to get a little bit more complicated. Again, if you're if you're looking for more flavorful, more thematic... Does it really matter if the full cube gets drafted? And if not, 
then go nuts. That's where the complexity drives whether the variability. If you're looking for enhanced synergies or next level plays or cards that are looking for key signposts to complete the puzzle, right? That variance of having an increased cube size can take away from those components, which creates like this interesting like dynamic in the cube draft also, right? I'm drafting Storm, but I'm drafting at 540. The opportunity or the probability that I will draw the necessary cards to complete that circuit, right? Not maybe may scooped up the tendrils of agony, or maybe it never actually existed in the draft to begin with. That is a risk reward aspect of a larger cube size. Of course. I think that when it comes to putting your cube together in a way to figure out what kind of numbers right for whatever you're starting with or what kind of area that you're looking to start with, usually it just comes down to pick the cards you want to play with. And sometimes it can be as simple as just take a commander deck, take out all the basics, and then find the other commander decks that also like overlap on that theme or have some kind of reusable cards between them and then just shuffle them all together into a big pile. And there are a lot of cube curators that do exactly that and have a lot of success with it. Something I would say is important to kind of piggyback on what she just said. And you know, again, I don't want to go into the overthinking process. That's the enfranchised portion of my brain wanting to say it. But when you build a cube, you do want to think about like, replayability is a major factor, right? Like right. this is, this is not a one shot D and D game, right? You want people to come back every Tuesday at your LGS and play your cube because it was the best experience they've ever had in magic, the gathering. So they come back every week because it was amazing and different. And I tried all these different archetypes. I mean, that's a dream and it takes time to get there. So just, my advice as an enfranchised player and enfranchised cube builder is to buckle up. It's okay. I'm on my eighth cube now, right? Once you start building one, you start building more. And it's kind of like tattoos, right? You never get one tattoo. But the- I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not considering three other tattoos. You I would never. <laughs> yeah, not true at all. May is, ca- May is currently counting on her fingers for the viewers how many tattoos she has. Listen, video <laughs> game. No, 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 I only have one tattoo for now. But uh, oh, I was counting how many, how many you have. want. How many you want. Look, video gamers will say the same thing, right? Replayability. I actually think that for all the things that we've talked about when it comes to building a cube and playing a cube and the decisions that you make, that replayability may be something that I would say we've understated a little bit a few times when we've talked about building a cube and encouraging your play group to play that that replayability is so critical and i will say I, you know this i'm a i'm a cube player i love playing cube your cubes and the fake cube never ever have i sat down and drafted the cube and felt that was kind of boring it was kind of samey i did the same thing again or it wasn't a challenge this time around i've never felt like that you know, again, video game, the same kind of deal. It's a not a good experience where you play a game and you think, ah, do I really want to play that again? Have I kind of got everything out of it? So very important. Attention spans do matter. Linear gameplay does impact replayability. That sure. is just a little footnote there just to think about as you're building your first cube. May, do you have a thought? Yeah, I was just going to say that. No, come back. Baby, come, come back. back. Never come back to me. In my heart, I still believe. Love may be 
we're leaving that in. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, no, no. I, I, okay, I got it. So, what I wanted to say was that the good part about drafting is that it's innately going to be variable. The packs that you see between each of the drafts are going to be different. Unless you're like seeding packs or whatever, but that's a whole different conversation you do not have to worry about for like ground level. With draft, everybody starts off with usually three packs of 15. Obviously, the numbers is dependent on what kind of cube goals people have, but usually it's around three to 15. Three, three packs of 15. My point is, is that within those three packs of 15, there's a lot of variance inside that pack. Those three packs that you have are not going to be the same three packs that you see the next game. And then same thing for the other seven players. And the more cards that get passed around is going to be different every time. The decks that you draft are going to be different every time. So it kind of self-regulates. The way that you get people back is sort of a step from what you need to get players to come to play it. What you need to get the hook of, all right, this is why people are going to come play it. This is the idea. Then, once you start actually playing that idea, you start thinking about, okay, what do I need to introduce or take out to get players to come back? And that's how you start working on a cube from the ground level. I would agree with that. So, we've talked about this before. May and I, I think we did an episode on how to clone a cube and copying a cube. And so, you don't have to overthink this, right? Because, again, going back to the fundamentals, not thinking about this from the end franchise, it, this is a hard episode to make. I just want to be really clear on that. Because we we do this so much via repetition that we don't think about the basics, right? So, let's talk about some of the basics. There's, a, there's like a menu, like a list of... Known to the cube, known quantities of types of cubes. What's the menu? Fundamentally, from the menu, we're gonna we're gonna do the typical. I could find this within the community. I don't have to think about this too much. I can find examples on the internet from multiple, like we'll say, Cube Cobra, or Cube Artisan, or articles, or referencing podcast. All the things that us and franchise people like to point you to are kind of like the roadmap of the stars. Like, here's the map. Go find it yourself. But what could I build if I've never built my first cube? And I have my opinions about this one. The first one that I truly have my opinion about that I think is a great one to build for your very first never done it before. And this is where the enfranchised may disagree with me strongly is a popper cube. It's affordable, not much investment, probably can get it pretty right the first time. Don't have to think about it a great deal. Commons is what it's consist of. These are, you can typically, we talked about this um, in an episode, with our good friend Christian, where he talked about how to build a popper cube. We went through the price points and I think I could actually build sleeve, double sleeve, buy a box, do everything I wanted to do or order off the internet, but I could probably make this blinged out for 120 bucks. I could probably build the entire cube for under $70, or I could just build it with what I already opened up as my draft shaft within my common stockpile. I mean, I do have. you really need sleeves? I for love a sleeves. Cube? No, we're going to talk about bar cube. That's on the list. I well, mean, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah. But what I think is particularly interesting with popper cubes is that it almost lines up with a similar design philosophy as powered cubes, believe it or not. Yep. Where a lot of popper cubes are designed under the pretense of what are my best commons? I want to fill this up with the best commons. 
And you can then to add additional limitations of the best commons I can afford. Like, obviously, snuff outs are very pretty expensive for a common, right? <laughs> In foil. It just got a reprint, so it's a little more affordable now. But it, yeah, that original is Yeah. My point being is that when you take a very clear limitation of that, of being like, I just want to introduce the most powerful forms of magic, that's a clear goal. That's a clear hook. And when it comes to building powered or popper, that hook remains the same. So just kind of figuring out how you're going to limit your card pool is just kind of fun. Like, there have been a lot of people who've experimented with the bulk rare cube, where the whole gimmick is, hey, I just want to take a bunch of good cards that were, like, bulk rares now, but were really good and limited. So another example would be following our, our oh, I'm going to reference our good friend Samich, who has a peasant cube that is known to the community, and that's using commons and uncommons. And then as May and Stu alluded to, we have our high-powered cubes. These are the creme de la creme. You want to play the best of the best, right? Power the nine. Power nine and the vintage power cube, and you want to do it. But that, that's all changing, too. That's interesting. That's what the evolution of cube is. That's, that's got well, a whole... Power s- nine isn't changing, but but the cube changes. The cube is changing. Let's, we don't need to talk about power creep in this episode. But, yeah, but uh, yeah you want to play know, with Ragavan and Comet and Renin Six. The impact of Daybreak Games on the Moto. They are being innovative. Like they're breaking that mold of the expectation of powered vintage cube, which I'm just in love with. Really? Right? Like, they're next level on it. Like cards like Gut now. Which I run in my artifact cube, which is admittedly probably a little too strong, but still I love it, is now in the powered vintage cube. A no right? splinter twin. Yeah. See, they're breaking the expectations of the mold, but that's not what this episode's about. Then you've got set cubes. What is your favorite? You're, you want to build your first cube. When did you have your first experience in magic? That's where you really start from here, right? Where'd you have your most fun? Did you start out in Mirage or like our good friend Steven and really loves Mirage or Amiket or just the entire idea of Dominaria or Kamigawa or Innistrad, right? Like my Uber Bears horror cube. And you can expand from that, but like that's a set cube. And there's a lot of ways, a lot of formulaic way people do pack seating and all that. And it gets in the, I'm not. I'm not going to claim to know how to build a set cube. Like that's got a lot of stuff with pack deck building and all that, that I just, it's not my vibe, but I'll play one. Right. But I'm not going to build one. It's just not my thing. Then you go into what may and I love so much, the thematic space, right? The, I, I dream a little dream. I come up with an idea and it gives me a giggle. And then I'm going to build, uh, oh, I love fairies. I'm going to build an entire world based on Grimm's fairy tales and bring the book to life. Right. And the such as, yep. The fake cube brought it to life, right? Or I want to build something based on space or artifacts or enchantments or metal music like the Munson cube. Like you could, the, the ideas in the thematic space are endless, right? It's just a creative outlet. Then you've got the boxo cards, right? That's the, how do I build for my own collection? I don't want to pay any money for this. I've already got it, right? I'm just going to go get my cards that I've been collecting for the last year and a half or whatever. And maybe my friends will contribute like the dumpster fire cube. That's another design aspect. I can build that. Or I can just build on my favorite cards. Like, I just like this card. May talked about that with the wolf when she was alluding to that before. It gave her inspiration. She wanted to build upon the inspiration. Commander. I just want to take some commander decks that synergize in some way and I want to fold them together. And I just don't want to deal with them. Like we said, Stu mentioned it. I'm going to take those basic lands out. 
And I'm just going to shuffle this up and see what kind of nonsense transpires. Or you've got, like, typo cubes. Our good friend Jason. I love slivers. Or may I love fairies and changelings. Or humans and wizards and zombies. And I want to make them all battle across the table. And whatever I've got to do to make that happen, right? Or... You can do a bar cube, which is another episode we're going to record. Yeah, we're going to have to... With Dan Lupe. I don't think we should get too deep into that. We're not, because we're saving that one. But I will go ahead and add reference our good friend ChillMTG's video, which I'll include in the show notes on how to build a bar cube and what that entails. That is taking magic back to the vibe aspect, right? Or I want to do something with special rules. Like our good friend Anthony Maddox that made the Turbo Cube that says every spell costs two less. Or the Cascade Cube, where every card has Cascade and does all these crazy things, right? It, the Or the Commander type of mash together of the Live the Dream by David McDarby. I, basically, by listing this off, the possibilities of Cube are limitless, right? It's only... The only person stopping yourself from building a Cube... I mean, it's yourself. Would I agree? Does everybody agree? Would I agree? I asked mm-hmm. myself. I did self-reflection <laughs> there, but May, do you agree with that statement? Oh, yeah. Yep. Back to the just do it, right? How about you, Stu? Yep. I mean, I'm it. trying to do it. I'm yep. getting there. Yeah. The the cube size of the Doom Cube is increasing every six months, so we'll get there eventually, I promise. So there is a note that I want to add about that is that when you're designing a cube, think of it kind of like painting a picture, right? It's going to take time. There's going to be several layers that you're going to have to add in over time. And what your cube's going to look like now is not what it's going to look like later. And usually when it comes to starting with a small list of, well, here are some cards and some ideas that I want to play with in a limited environment that kind of don't have homes anywhere else, to how do I create an environment to support these cards? And sometimes that'll just take time, and it's okay. Just give yourself the time and forgive yourself. Just do it. I would also say some of your major considerations beside the vision is the group size, the group skill level. Like, who are you? You have to know your audience, right? And maybe you don't have an audience. I mean, you can make assumptions of the type of players that you're going to attempt to appeal to, right? Because starting a cube group, that's a whole thing, right? And as you build your first cube, you will eventually, people will become indoctrinated to your cube, and then you can level up your cube skills over time. I mean, most of my cubes are, oh man, they're five years plus, right? Like I've got some definitely modern cubes, but my original cubes are 10 years, five years, 12 years. They're all over the spectrum. And they've had repetition back to the original story that I told my good friend Bill through play testing and feedback and repetition, I have been able to hone those in to try to find my target audience. But that's very important. And we've talked about, you know, Lucky Paper Radio and they've and they've talked about different ways to build cubes in the process as well. But something else as well, and I, this is kind of going back a little bit to what we talked about earlier. Think about the formats, especially if you're if you've got a group that plays sixty card formats like Martin, like Legacy, like Pioneer. 
Think about the kind of other formats and other play styles. Could be Commander. I'd say Commander is probably maybe the best reference. What kind of Commander decks do the players in your group, if you're not a cube-centric group, what do they enjoy to play, right? If they enjoy to play very, you know, turn creatures sideways, maybe incorporate that more in your cube. If they're more combo-centric, then maybe incorporate that in your cube. You've got a lot of freedom to be creative and really tailor it to the to the to your audience. And another thing that I would say is don't spend a dime. Before you actually Proxies do this, are your friend. <laughs> I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he just did it. But what I'm going to actually lean in on more of is just theory craft this. Like I'm a big advocate. Yep. Before you purchase a card, build it on some platform like Cube Cobra or an Excel spreadsheet or a pen and paper. I don't care. Well, I know that the And then the present whole... it to your audience and say, what do you think about this list? Does yeah, this look fun? That's look, a the, I know the proxy thing is kind of a bit of a, a, a taboo word, right? We're talking purely from playtesting perspectives, and even Wizards have came out and said, look, if you're just playtesting, make something. I'm not talking about going out and and printing something. Get a Sharpie on a basic planes, because everybody should use planes, because, you know, it's a planes. Write that on there and use that to kind of do some testing. It doesn't have to be within a group. It could even just be yourself. Sit down by yourself. Goldfish your draft. Goldfish a bit of playtesting. You know, try and learn something before, you know, you go out and spend any money. I will also add that the advantage of putting it online through Cubecobra, Cube Artist, and whatever your choice is for platform, there are other options like Draftmancer. Like it was spelled Draft as D R four F T or whatever. Draftmancer, obviously, and then Cockatrice has like a built-in system. There are systems in place that you can test out that online environment before you ever spend a dime on those cards, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes you're going to have a group that if you send them a list of cards, they'll just kind of look at it and be like, yep, those are cards. All right. But regardless of that, you can get a lot more feedback by just kind of reaching out to the cube community or just working on your thing. Join Online, the cube Discord. Etc. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Join our cube Discord. Things like that. There are so many resources available for you to test out things before you even spend a dime. I would agree with that. Like, I want to really reiterate the only obstacle to building a cube is you, right? You have to just, it's back to the Nike, the Nike swoop, right? Just do it, right? It's not going to be right the first time. Just do it, right? Except the fact that it's not going to be your magnus opus. It just simply won't be, right? It's going to require iterations, playtesting and feedback, and it will become the cube that you envisioned over time, or you're just a savant and you come out the first time and it's the best thing ever, or you clone a cube that exists and some, you just copy whatever someone has already done, or you use one of these models that we talked about, right? There's a, so many options in the cube community, so many resources, so many podcasts, so many channels that you can watch that you can learn how to build your first cube. And if you've got a supportive group, right? And we'll go all the way back to when we talk about the inclusivity and the support and the positivity and all that. I will quite, quite, you know, definitely say if someone from our group came and said, I've got a cube, I've built this cube, I would really appreciate if we sat down and played it. It's been a big passion project of mine. I respect you guys as players. And I would really love for us to just sit down and draft and play my cube today. I'm not going to say no. 
the, the groups will or should be positive for supporting your efforts to building a play experience for everybody else. So, you know, sit down, test, like draft, play a few games, like see what works, see what doesn't work. Maybe a card was super overpowered. Maybe there was a an archetype that just needed a little bit more support to be viable. Final thoughts, May? If we're moving on to th- final thoughts and you didn't have any final thoughts, I actually wanted to talk a bit about what cubes means to me. Yeah, it's Stu kind of made a sentimental, and I was just like, ah, now now I'm thinking about how much more that it means to me in a way that I wasn't. Stu was giving us some uh, humble perspectives. <laughs> yeah, he made it real. I tend to do, I'm a heart on my sleeve kind of kind of dude, you know? Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. there's no secrets. I got no skeletons in my closet, so. I got a lot of skeletons in my closet. We ain't opening it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got a bone to pick with you. Anyway. <laughs> um, what Cube means to me and how it's kind of changed for me and where I started. Like, I only relatively recently started cubing. I started around twenty late 2019, early 2020, that area of starting to work on cube. And it was an unfortunate time for me to try to start figuring out how to cube when everybody was just kind of stuck at home. So a lot of it came down to kind of theory crafting and having to reach out to the community and having to reach out to people and find those resources, etc., but what has kind of changed for a lot for me was how much platform that I've been able to get because of like the fake cube. The, like I mentioned before, the fake cube was not, it did not start off as the magnum opus. It was not this uh, perfect cube right out the gate. I just took a bunch of cards that I wanted to play. And next thing I know, people started really falling in love with that. I went from a lot of communities where I was feeling really othered and isolated from, and I felt like that I found a place by accident that people want to listen to what I have to say and want to see the things that I'm building and etc. And I have been given so many opportunities because of it. So when I say my fake keys, my magnum opus, it's not because of some obscure gameplay thing or some obscure theme thing that I'm really proud of. It's my magnum opus because of the people that it's connected me to and the community that I found myself a part of that I'm really proud to be on. I'm proud to be on the show and I'm proud to be part of the Cube community. I'm proud of the things that Cube does to bring us together. And that's just something that I'm really appreciative for. Even if the fake Cube isn't like the most powerful thing, it's important to me. That's yeah. beautiful. I, that's a beautiful way to to end an episode yeah. right there. That yeah. really is. That really doesn't. Yeah, I really can't. I can't what, do better. Yeah, we can't. That's it. The end. <laughs> that's it. Done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> bye bye. Happy Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take us to the social, Stu. All right. Well, first of all. To all of our listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. If it's your first time, we hope you enjoyed the show and we have a, a bit, bit of an extensive catalog at this point. Take a look and uh, see what see what your vibe is when it comes to, to when it comes to the show. And look forward to a multi-part series that we're going to do on this topic. We just started covering the basics, but we're going to progress for the enfranchised as we move along. More to come. So If you love the show, we would really appreciate. Give us a five-star review on your chosen podcast platform. We are an affiliate of Alter Sleeves. Go and check them out for all of your cube and magic format needs. You can use our affiliate link, altersleeves.com slash ubercube, 5% off of your purchase. You can also use our Inked Gaming affiliate link. What is that? 
It's included in our show notes. You will find that in the link for the Buzzsprout and all your major players. You can click on it and it will take you there. And you can get playmats, dice bags, mouse pads, all kinds of cool custom products available for whatever your magic needs may be. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We are at UberCubeMTGPod. Or if you've got a longer comment or question about this episode or anything Cube related, you can reach out to us at UberCubeMTGPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll also have a link to our Discord. It's available on our Twitter page as well as the show notes. And a lot of cool conversation, huge influx of people coming in recently. The community is growing significantly every day. So if you want to chat about Cube or anything else, uh, come hang out with us. And the ah. UberCube will not be hashtag UberCube, BoomerCube. Maybe you but find But rather, it. you'll be able to find the actual invite <laughs> that I will include all the show notes on the future ones. I need to work that backwards. Haven't gotten there yet because of the holidays. Anthony, tell us about the Patreon. So, we've got some amazing Patreons that we want to give shout-outs for. first one is actually a good friend of mine that wanted me to go see a Perfect Circle concert and said, if... You do this, I'll become a Patreon. And that's a good friend of mine, Keaton Schultz. And then we got our good friend, Chris Singer of the show, Nicholas LaPointe, Stephen Conifal. Thank you, Stephen, by the way. Stephen, let's, let's pause and talk about Stephen. Stephen sent a wonderful gift for Christmas for Team Ubercube to draft a Modern Horizons box with the promise that we would give Chris a prismatic, prismatic vista yeah. or else so thank you steven <laughs> sure. we, we promise we promise it is a promise and also okay. to our good friend samuel mckenna who has been a, a great part of our play group now for for some time and preston thank you so much preston for your show ideas that you provide us uh, preston is an avid user as is chris who sends in ideas to our Gmail for shows they'd like to hear. Chris, we're working on yours as we speak. Preston, thank you for the inspiration that you've provided us and being a major part of the community. That's right. Other than that... We're going to say what we always say here. Happy Cubing! You remind me of the babe! <laughs> you remind we me of the babe. The babe with the power. Power of voodoo, who do you do? Remind me of the babe. I saw my baby cry as hard as babe could cry. What did I do? My baby's love is gone. Where's my baby blue? Nobody knew what kind of magic spells to use. Fries and snails and puppy dog tails, thunder and lightning and babysitting. Dance, match, dance, 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 match, dance. I'm clipping this in. This will be the end. Spell on me. Babysitting free. 